up here. He wasn't free of his thoughts about Lily. Wade didn't understand. None of them did. To them, she was Lady Lilith Shadow, as high from them as the moon was from the earth. Thorn had first met her when she was a lonely nobody, like him. It wasn't right to wish for those days back, but he missed the old Lily. He hardly ever saw her now. She was too busy ruling Gehenna, and he was usually too busy fetching oats for the horses. So he'd made her something, something that would remind her he was still around. Thorn had taken a piece of oak, twisted, knotted, and beautiful, and spent every evening over the last two months carving her a brooch. He'd worked hard at sculpting the Shadow Family Seal, a pair of entwined crescent moons, and decorating it with vines and oak leaves, motifs from his old home. Then he'd seen the gift that the Eagle Knight, Ying, had brought Lily. A mechanical aviary. Thorn had stood at the back with the other squires, behind the nobles and knights and important guests, when Lily had taken the golden key and wound the device. How could such a tiny key work a whole tree? The tree was so tall, it almost reached the gargoyles perched on top of the great hall, and its ivory branches fanned out all the way across the courtyard. The feathers on the clockwork birds were made of beaten gold, and their eyes were precious gems. In the torchlight, the whole tree seemed sprinkled with stars. Then, the birds had sung their songs rising together in perfect harmony that no living choir could match. Even Tyburn had smiled. Thorn hadn't thought there was a spell in all the world that could make the executioner smile. Why would Lily look at Thorn's stupid carving when she had such a marvel? How could a simple piece of wood compete with beautiful fire horses? Thorn had chucked the brooch into the fireplace. Wade wanted him to aim lower in his choice of friends, but how could he? As someone who could fly among the clouds, how could Thorn aim for anything lower than the moon? Hades growled. He could sense Thorn's moods. This moping wasn't going to help them find Pitch and his family. A pale sun balanced on the horizon, casting a dull, shadowless light over the landscape. Which way had they run? Did they have a shelter out here? Or had they fled blindly, stumbling through the night with no idea of direction? The caves of the hag lay eastward. Plenty of hiding places there. Hades shook his head. Not the caves? Why not? Hades didn't explain. He merely glided away to the west. Each wing beat was slow and easy as Hades skimmed the treetops. There, said Thorn. He nudged the bat with his right knee. I saw something. Hades wheeled around. For such a huge beast, he moved almost as sharply as a sparrow. The birch trees bent in the wind Hades created as he settled himself in a small clearing. Thorn slid off his back and sank shin-deep into the snow. He plowed through it, heading to where he'd seen it. He wasn't even sure what it was, just that it had been wrong. Thorn clambered over a frost-painted boulder and found...
Farmer Pitch, and his wife, Millie. It looked as if they were lying on a red rug, but it was bloodied snow. The farmer still held his axe. Wounds covered their backs, long gashes that had gone through flesh and bone. It was a woeful sight, but it didn't sicken Thorn. He'd hunted and killed animals for food since the day he could draw a bowstring. Growing up in Hearn's forest made you familiar with all the ways a creature can die. Poisonous berries, a fall that splits a skull, a wound that goes bad. He'd seen sheep torn apart by wolves. he twisted a few chicken necks, shot deer, and trapped squirrels and rabbits. Were dead people much different? They bruised, they bled, they broke. All in the same ways. But where were the boys?